Alrighty, we're live. Welcome back, everyone, to the SNC podcast. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Stefan Carley, also known as Coach Carley. We've got Matty Scar, Scar Performance, all the way from Indianapolis. And we've got a new guest, another new guest joining us today, Torben Keller, joining us all the way from the, uh, the Danish land, Denmark, with the Nordic gods. How are we doing up there? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we talked to me and what Steph. Are we, what are we calling, Matty? Yeah, I was going to we say, record him, record, what was it? What was the recording? The, the international <laughs> badass, I think, is the best way to uh, yes. describe Torben. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I think you're the ones have to be the ones deciding whatever I'm supposed to be called. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, so stick, we... we'll stick with that, Torben. We'll stick with the international badass. I think that that's going to stick. <laughs> yeah, so me, me and Torben met in person in April at the ATG convention and I had something going on with my stomach there. So I was having a hard time for that whole week, but we talked, we talked about a lot of things in between the testing and kind of moving around. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up with you to kind of talk about was, and I saw you posted on Instagram as a former professional and international boxer yourself, I think you mentioned how a lot of people in the kind of fighting community and specifically boxing are afraid. I don't want to necessarily say afraid, but think that being strong and strength training is kind of the enemy, I think is what the words you may have used. Do you want to kind of elaborate on why you think that came about and how to get around that and use it in a beneficial way? Yeah, I think that there's a um, neglection or whatever, because I think everybody want to be strong, but how to get strong is maybe where it's, you know, going on a deroute. Uh, because I think um, mostly see, because it's it's a, a sport with weight divisions, people are afraid of getting heavier. And because, at least in Denmark, we have a, a, a big um, history of, when we go down and we really dehydrate and just like stop eating. And so we have a big difference between our normal weight and our fighting weight. And with that being taught to the new news generation, you always uh, all seem to, you know, like put on, I won't say anorectical, but more like binge eating disorders to people because the thing is that you, you know, stop eating for a time and just like sweat and almost you're a tough guy if you can lose a lot of weight. And I've, you know, before talking too much about it, I've done all the kinds of weight you have to lose weight. I've been sitting in the sauna with clothes on. I've been sleeping in, uh, in bags with clothes on. I've been, you know, all that kind of stuff, all of it. Um, because I wasn't, uh, clever when I was a fighter as well. I, I've lost like eight kilos in one week um, and it's stupid. Um, but the thing is that of course you will gain weight because if you are like unnaturally low once you fight and once you get back to your na natural low weight where you aren't fit, that's not your normal weight. So once I quit my boxing career, I actually gained, I think six kilos quite fast. Um, but the funny thing is I gained it so fast, it, maybe within a year or, or like something like that, but was even more ripped than before. But the funny thing is that that was in 15, 2015. And I've been weighing the same ever since, no matter actually how much I eat or how much. So, 
uh, I've been weighing the same. So this is more like my natural weight, right? Mm-hmm. So I was boxing, I was boxing in the weight division below uh, 69 kilos at that time. And that is uh, 156, 58 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I am uh, 81 kilos. And I don't know that in pounds, actually. I must it's be like a hundred uh, Yeah, like around 180. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the funny thing is that people are afraid of getting heavier because heavier means bigger opponents. And when everybody does this, the funny thing is that when I ended my career in 14, my last pro fight, I actually get got back to boxing in 19, just uh, as my daughter was born. And I just wanted to get back and I could get back as amateur. And I get, got back into boxing without losing any weight. I was just being my own weight, just skipped the breakfast. Uh, and the funny thing was that I haven't been boxing uh, at all for five years. And I uh, entered the Danish national uh, championships and I won that shit. So, and I, and I started, people were laughing at me because I was smaller and they said like, Hey, Tom, now you're so small and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I only, I didn't train anything specific. Uh, I'm training a little bit of boxing once per week. Um, that was the only thing. And then I won that shit. And it's just like, my, my idea is that I was better now because I was physically better prepared and my body was like full on because I was way worse conditioned than those guys. But when they lose so much weight, they get so dehydrated and they aren't muscular, uh, structural balanced. So they don't get fully use of their potential. So even though I'm not fully trained and fully anything, I could actually be at their level. But on top of that, I had a clear mind. I was fresh. I was happy because I wasn't like totally dehydrated. So I think that's a big thing. Of course, when you go to the highest national international level, um, those guys are big. So maybe <laughs> it's worth losing some percentages if everybody does, but those guys are crazy. Those are big, just like when in every sport. Torben, how can you like you elaborated on a little bit, but you spoke about your clarity and then obviously the the structural balance that you had when you returned in 2019. But do you think that your performance was severely impacted, like in 2014, 2013, when you were shedding weight and and trying to yeah. to drop under weight? Would you would you say that your performance yeah. was severely impacted? Yeah. Um, How did that affect you? Uh, like, do because, you think that there was something that was, do you think that you could have gotten better or what, what was like, was there something yeah. that was, what was your reason? I guess, what was your reason for, for wanting to be underweight? Was it the fear aspect or was it just because, well, I'm good in this weight. So I'll just stick in this weight. No, I think it's because of tradition. I think it's because of this is how we do and we've always done it. So that's, you know, we, we don't have another frame of reference. That's the only frame of reference we have. So that's what we do. So I think it's because, mm. Often in boxing, just like many sports, I think it's it's former athletes that becomes the trainers. But a good athlete doesn't necessarily mean a good trainer. So he just you know keeps mm. on the same rhythm going. There's always without uh, having any doubt. Or, but the thing is that I started my interest in all this kind of stuff when I was around 14, 15, starting the international journey and all that kind of stuff. I started asking, why do we do this? And it's not very uh, good math when I went to Eastern <laughs> Germany and asked the coaches, why do you do this? And they were like, just shut up and do it because we have this multiple uh, championship, 
chairmans and all that kind of stuff. But I said that if you can't explain it to me, then somebody else explain it some something else that I actually find hmm, reasonable. So I just started not doing if they weren't going to explain me why. So I got hated a bit on uh, because I was that irritating athlete always asking why. But I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't um, commit myself to doing something that nobody could ask me or tell me why I should do. Yeah, it's like the your coach had a coach before him and then that coach yes. and then there's one person like a hundred years ago that was like, all right, we'll run long distances for cardio. And it's like, well, exactly. like, well my coach did it and then why? It's, it's yeah, the same and, thing and in all I think the sports. That, I think I think a big thing is that, you know, in boxing, uh, one of the stupid things boxers do is that they have a, a small dumbbells in their hands and they start punching with the dumbbells. But the dumbbell is, is on gravity, right? So the force is gravity mm-hmm. determined and not in the punch direction. So it's actually <laughs> detrimental for your punching and nervous system because it has to break your arm before, you know, extending or else you're elbows dislocates and all that kind of stuff but people do that stuff because they've seen like Floyd Mayweather do it but Floyd Mayweather is good despite of that not because of that mm-hmm. so I think what, what the problem is that somebody because the idea of having dumbbells and going like with the guards and just walking with them as guards that's good because now they're in, in the right direction of gravity and all that kind of stuff but I think looking at the best in the world and, and because you have won whatever you have won, then you have some uh, influence and that could be used either good or bad. Um, yeah. So when, when you work with fighters now, how do you kind of change up what you do compared to what you did when you were um, in the, in the fighting scene? Do you use a lot of the ATG movements? Cause we, I think we just lost Torben. <laughs> he really what do you like think he does question. Matty? I don't know I was let's see <laughs> he's disappeared so, uh, <laughs> we're back no it's all good. my app just uh, closed <laughs> we're all good so what I was what I was asking is so as you kind of work with fighters now what kind of I guess non-traditional things do you add in and that could be in a ATG kind of movement perspective, like the structural balance polyquin thing or any of your ideas? Yeah. I actually think that, you know, one thing for me is that one thing that is very important actually is that ATG to me is not about exercises, but about uh, knowledge. So it's how we apply and how we utilize knowledge the best way. So understanding how we use exercises to get the uh, acquired adaptations. So what we want for boxers is first of all, a injured boxer is like shit. So it's not even like on the on the football football field, soccer field or whatever, where you can be like substitute and play a few minutes. Either you're fully in or you're fully out. So either you go on and not go. <laughs> so I think one thing to remember is that we don't want to be injured, but as a boxer, you do so much internal rotation from all hooks and your guard being like so protective, then uh, strengthen your subscapularis and a lot of uh, in the rotator cuff muscles is so, so important. But not to forget the grip because 
if your hand in the glove is only softly closed, it's going to crack your bones. So, <laughs> and you don't, you don't transfer energy well, right? So if you transfer uh, weight and, and punches with a, like a soft uh, sponge, it's not going to be very hard, even though the sponge travels with a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. So you have to be like clenching the fist, but only just as you um, hit the target. So I've been doing a lot of external rotations and a lot of pulling motions. Uh, one of the things I experienced was that people tend to bring in boxing into the strength room, but I, want, I don't want to have boxing in the strength room. I actually want to do a lot of the opposite because all the punching and endurance stuff, you're going to do that specifically to the sport on the heavy back. So we want we want to simulate. That's not how you do sport specific training. That's not sport simulation. Uh, simulations. That's not sport specific training. It's actually utilizing the weight room for you to perform better on the field, and or in the ring or whatever. So that's a lot of the external rotators. That's a lot of pulling motions. That's a lot of legs, a lot of calves, a lot of feet. Uh, so I think. The ATG style of training worked like perfectly fit into the to the martial art and fighting industry. It sounds very similar to what we um, talk about with football. Hey, Maddie, like we talk about mm-hmm. um, the speeds, like always doing the, the speed ladders or doing heaps of jumping for, for extra training, or but like to take what you're not getting within your sport and then transferring it into the weight room. It's pretty much exactly what Torben just said there, where everything that you're not getting that is going to be beneficial for you in the ring or on the soccer pitch, you're doing in the weight room. You're not doing while you're training because you're already doing it. So there's there's no point in, in doing it again, is there? You know, that's uh, it's, it's very, very interesting to actually hear that no. perspective, Torben. Uh, um, but I, I think there's a very important thing to, to remember is that I train hockey players now as well. And the funniest thing was that I started playing training hockey players. They were like wondering, oh, you have you don't know nothing about hockey. So I said, I really don't need to know nothing about hockey. I just have to look at your biomechanics and see that you use a lot of quads and a lot of glutes. So we need strong hamstrings, right? Um, so that's one thing. Uh, and this, the funny thing is as they've gotten stronger and closer to the Nordics. They seem to get less injuries and strong adductors and all that kind of stuff. So it's the same thing. But we need to remember that something about, for example, the speed ladder. It's like stupid for getting anything other than mental confidence. So sometimes it's good to bring in those things to get people to feel like I'm fast. Because you don't get faster by using it, but you feel like you're fast. So one thing is the actual physiological, but the psychological thing is just as important because that's why we often see uh, players being very good just coming off uh, holidays because they're confident, they're happy, but their body's not there yet. So we need to always... Uh, balance the stuff about you just like pounding them with being so strong and because if they don't like it you're gonna kill them we are so we're so uh, i talk about in in denmark that we we are so um we're in so such a rich and good environment that nobody wants to work hard because they can just do something else <laughs> but so we can't we can't take the russian method and put it on danish boys because they're just like hey i just do something else <laughs> So we need to, we need to, you know, <laughs> give them a little fun stuff also. So they do the hard stuff to get the fun stuff. 
Yeah, that I. Yeah, so hopping back to the speed ladders, I, I like to say the only thing a speed ladder makes you better at is a speed ladder. Um, yeah. But it's it, sometimes yeah you talk about there are the beneficial <laughs> reasons and it's not it's not agility. Um, and I, mean, I was talking to Ben Clairfield and we were kind of talking about that same the Eastern block and we were talking about it from an Olympic weightlifting perspective. And it's like those were great methods if that was your only way out of living in like yes Soviet Russia. Like it's brutal, brutal, brutal training, and they didn't care if they destroyed 999 out of a thousand athletes if they had one guy that turned into Klokov or something yes got the gold medal no problem so and one of the other things I want to ask you about so with the cardio I remember I think it was Paul Cech that was talking about this when he was a boxing coach so when you're looking at cardio and for me and Steph being footballers it's we don't have to worry about this but when you're boxing having to manage the sort of specific cardio system so like that you like when you're running it's a i mean obviously cardio is always full body but running is more of a stimulus on the legs do you do specific like he was talking about to really get the boxers in shape they had to do a lot of upper body cardio and it's for like soccer players it's going to sound weird like just run but have you noticed anything with that, like doing, I don't know how to necessarily describe it, but cardio sessions that are more muscularly demanding upper body versus something that is more on the lower body? I think that one thing is underrated and necessarily is not understood by people who haven't been in the ring is that um, my biggest, as a boxer, my biggest uh, limitation was my uh, legs. Mm. So my leg because the, the the canvas on the boxing ring is is soft so jumping around doing like all that kind of movement on a soft it's just like running around on the beach so your legs are gonna get like sore like hell mm-hmm. and you're moving so much in that not extended and relaxed position you're so isometrically um moving around in the boxing um, so one thing is that the VO2 max and the cardiovascular system has to be on a certain level. And running is very good for that, for the, the you know, pushing on running and pushing. But I like rowing a lot. Um, I like rowing a lot because it's uh, more muscular demanding, both upper body and lower body. And then it's the pulling motion as well. So I like that very much. Um, and you can do it no matter if it's uh, snowy or too hot or whatever. Um, but that being said, cardiovascular system has to be like your uh, VO2 max has to be a certain level, of course, but that's just the foundation. Now you have to put it into practice. And just like with, um, I think it's very similar to ice hockey, actually, is that it's so specific to sport that you can't simulate that on running Mm -hmm. or in the training. So boxing is so specific that you have to do boxing to get better at boxing. But you have to have the foundational work done, and that's you know getting your view to max up to a certain level and your um, endu- muscular endurance on a certain point. They, t- they talked a lot about it in the Germans were doing a lot of measurements on us uh, with uh, four millimole um, of lactate per liter of blood, and that's that's where you have to be able to perform a certain thing because they knew that that was 
quite boxing specific to be in that area. So uh, I, I think that you have to do your cardio, but do what you like. So if you like to do rowing, row. If you like to run, run, but don't do it the opposite way. So if you hate running, don't fucking go run. It's going to kill your motivation. Uh, because that's just the foundation. And then so you have to I, do a lot of boxing. I, I- I got to. I got to get you. Um, we were just talking beforehand. My um, a good friend of mine. He's uh, he's Danish as well. And it, it, like I said, it just must be a Danish thing that you guys are just psycho. But um, I got to get you one of these uh, power towers. I got to show you one afterwards. These things. So imagine imagine a Versa climber just on steroids. This thing is uh, is next level. I got to I got to show you one, and uh, we got to get you on one. That would be that'd be epic for you. But one one question I had is. Just moving away a little bit and something that's a little bit um, lined up with my own um, personal sort of stories. I remember seeing the first video that I ever saw of you was at the uh, ATG in, in Florida. And I remember seeing this guy just downing these ATG split squats like they were nobody's business. And then I found out afterwards, like it just kept popping up saying like, this guy has no ACL. This guy has no ACL. He's doing this and he's jumping around and he's doing these heavy ATG splits. So I'm like, how is he doing this? <laughs> and I just wanted to ask like, from from being in that position where where you are having had that injury, what limitations have you had, if any? And if you haven't had any limitations, like how, how have you managed to, to overcome that um, and, and be able to be strong enough to, to do all those sorts of things? Yeah, it's quite funny because I didn't know, uh, I didn't knew that I didn't have an ACL for like some years because <laughs> I, popped my, I, I, in hindsight, I know I popped my ACL during, because after I quit my boxing career, I wanted to do some MMA. And I was uh, rolling on the floor uh, wrestling with uh, one of the guys in the UFC now, actually. Uh, and he had my leg in between his and jumped to the side. So I think that's where I popped because it, it got a bit, you know, very big swollen. But I went home in the flight and, you know, went on to do CrossFit and all that kind of stuff. Afterwards, I didn't take care of as the swelling was gone. I just worked out. But uh, one day, my meniscus tore as I had a class. Uh, I was just standing up from the floor and then I couldn't, you know, extend my leg. And my meniscus was torn and, and locked my knee. So I went on two days with like a <laughs> semi-bent knee because I couldn't do stuff. And then I got into <laughs> surgery. And in Denmark, they, they uh, you know, of course, uh, sued together my meniscus, but they told me, oh, uh, Anton, your ACL was all over the place. So we just cleaned it up. But if you want a new, you can have a new uh, surgery. But it's just like, why should I have a new surgery? Um, I can do this. And at that time, I was a lot in the, the Parkland educational system with the PICP. Uh, so I just started doing a lot of, <laughs> I actually started walking on my hands and rowing just with the leg on a like rolling board beside because I found that if I work the health healthy leg, it gets a little bit of beneficial to the other leg as well. So just like we're rowing with one leg and, and did all kinds of stuff. I learned to walk my hands with, with you know, that uh, joy on. And then, you know, I started rehabbing with, with um, actually, and seven weeks after I did 40 squats with uh, 70 kilos or something and started doing Six months after I did CrossFit competition. Um, yeah, if I had to, so yeah. if I had to sum you up in one statement, it would be you tore your meniscus, so you learned how to walk on your hands instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of it, some of it is like the But but then then I got it into your know, sort of a mission that I wanted to 
prove that I could, you know, rehab this. Um, and that was even before, you know, a long time before ACD, but it's the particle stuff going around it. But um, I think I was a bit too fast and fully bending because I think that is what the only uh, problem I've had since is that my meniscus is loose now. So it got, I think, but you know, bending, fully bending is too fast, tore up those soon. Um, so uh, now if I kick a plastic soccer ball, uh, like with no impact, I can, my meniscus can pop out. <laughs> and if I do breaststrokes uh, swimming, it can pop out as well. So I just have to then fully bend and rotate and then we'll pop back in. So it's, I learned how to pop in and out and now there's, now there's no uh, nervous nerve uh, back. So it's just like... It's like a little party irritating. trick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just like... Watch it, this, yeah. I think, it's been, I think it's been like two years since it last popped out. So I don't have any limitations back. Yeah, so one of the things I want to get to is you, you do some of these ridiculous feats of strength every once in a while. So when we were down in Florida, you were pulling the tank sled in a handstand, which was one of the, maybe the most impressive thing I've ever seen in person. <laughs> um, and then you did the, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you did a marathon backwards with the sled? Or how, how uh, was Not the with distance? the sled. Not with the sled, but I did a, I did a marathon backwards, but I, like I talked to Kali on, it was because one of my very good friends, a former um, elite soldier here in Denmark, he did a backwards marathon in five hours, just below sub five hours. And I and I knew I couldn't run faster than him, so I just wanted to do it more inclined. So I did what well, we have a brutal marathon, it's called here in my town. We have a, it's six rounds uh, around town and there's uh, within those uh, rounds, there's a two, 300 meter of like 18, 20% incline uh, you have to go through. So, so I went on to, Go do that backwards uh, in seven hours and fifteen <laughs> minutes on a regular Saturday, where I was home alone. That is, that is wild. <laughs> I have to say that is impressive. That was yeah, and I actually found out that was, what else, what else? I, I didn't prepare well with eating and all that stuff. But it was yeah, I found out that looking back uh, to one side and then to the other, you get your totally confusion. <laughs> that's that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the backwards walking you've got the um the handstands with the sled and then you got the yeah. sit-ups what's the deal with the sit-ups Ten thousand was it i was i was just yeah. looking through all of them going yeah. five thousand seven thousand nine thousand <laughs> talk to me yeah we did uh, one of my friends uh, he missed uh, asked in there uh, we have this little group of you know stupid people <laughs> where we do like stupid stuff and he said, like, hey, Tom, what about, you know, doing some sit-ups? And I said, oh, cool, let's do it. And he said, like, 5,000 is just that sounds silly. So what about 10? And I said, okay, let's, let's try it out. So we went on to, in the beginning, we did, like, every minute and a minute for 10 minutes to 20 every minute. Um, and then we, that was too much, but it was actually on the neck. Mm -hmm. And um, and you got so, it got so much nausea of lying down and sitting up and lying down and sitting up. So I was like, uh, in the end, but just before my last 700, I just vomited like so much because it's, it's got so much nausea. So that was actually a limiting factor there. But you just kept going. You just had to finish it out. Yeah, we had to, we had to do it those last ones. So it was 13 hours or something. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, 
and we've been skipping as well. We we did like one hundred thousand skips within twenty four hours. That was that was something as well. That's why. <laughs> why not? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's one thing is that because of my, yeah. my friend I did it. My, my friend I did it with there. He he got to got a um, brain bleeding. What is that called in English? Oh, uh, uh, aneurysm. Aneurysm, maybe. Yeah, aneurysm. Yeah, uh, and then he he has done some crazy stuff as well. But he each year he will do something crazy physically to uh, let him know that his body bill is cable. So I just do something with him. So we did, uh, you know, one hundred thousand skips uh, together and the sit-ups. Um, yeah, and we tried to row row in a kayak around an island in Denmark. But I've never rowed a kayak before, so it was, <laughs> that was damn, that was crazy. We we only got halfway uh, through. But yeah. <laughs> And then you don't get to run back with the kayak on your back. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like, since I've stopped boxing, I like to challenge myself on, you know, having some sort of just fundamental physical cap- capacity and mental capacity as well. Because I want to, you know, whenever my daughter gets up in age and my, my children, I'll still be able to beat them in every sport. So I have to you know, keep on going. And I think that what is what is the big thing for me is that is is that the mental stuff here is that when I ran that backwards marathon, people were you know uh, uh, hitting the horn and laughing and you know waving all that kind of stuff. So how I processed that was just like one of my clients when they had to run the first kilometer because they think that people are looking at them with the negativity, but I I just challenge that into like that marathon was just as hard on and as many thoughts for me as the first kilometer would be for him or her mm-hmm. so just by putting my because i've never been you know fat myself so i can't try this but i can put myself in another position where it's very challenging very actually humiliating or you know impressive it's the, depending on the eyes you see right so these people coming by in their car have only seen like a split second of what I'm about to do. They don't know what I'm about to do. So they will maybe laugh, but if it, if they knew what I was about to be doing, they would, you know, clap their hands and be oppressed. So it's all about how I um, utilize that um, information that I put into my own head is whether or not it's positive or negative. Yeah, so you, you run... I. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the one of the largest and the fastest growing CrossFit box in Denmark, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's how many you've something like eight, nine hundred plus members. Yeah, we were just we were just uh, below eight hundred members, and then I raised the price, prices, and now we're just below seven hundred. But it's totally fine. Uh, it's very good. We're growing, but what we were growing that we were the fastest growing CrossFit box in Denmark with um, just just around three hundred members the first month of opening. Which is a lot of members. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and on is there any other CrossFit box in Denmark, or is it is are you yeah, the only one? No, 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 we are, just in our city, we are in our city. We are four uh, official CrossFit boxes, and they're like eight, uh, you know, just like gyms with CrossFit and or functional fitness within them. So there were a lot of competition, but we were 
and is still is the most expensive CrossFit park. So that's why it's so funny that uh, with being the most expensive, we got to be the biggest within a year. So what what made you take that jump from retiring from Forever. boxing, or and what was the timeline like with that going from boxing to CrossFit? Yeah, I, I stopped my I had my final fight in uh, boxing in uh, two thousand fourteen in September, and then I started actually a bit overlapping those uh, my boxing career and and doing personal training, um, and then I went on and be uh, was a personal trainer just outside was where I started, and then I had to go inside because the window never can be cold. So, so um, I went on to be in a CrossFit box and then started doing some CrossFit training and be the coach of some classes. And, you know, they, they got popular. And I wanted to make a CrossFit gym with the physiotherapy, personal training, nutrition, all that kind of help in one space. Because what people think and to most, the most limiting factor is time. So I want to have it all there because a lot of people won't contact their officials because uh, then they have to wait in line and come in and just get those silly exercises and blah, blah, blah. So instead we have the officials walking around the gym and just like handing out small uh, guidances and, and help to the people and they actually know them. So they know the stuff uh, our clients are coming in with. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an idea of me. And, and I started in that CrossFit gym in 2015 and we opened up in 17. Yeah, we just went on to wow. be like... So you've always wanted to kind of... Sorry, go on, Torben. I think there's a no, little bit of a, we, of a delay yeah. here. Off you go. We, we, uh, we got to be the first uh, Elico certified CrossFit gym where we just like had all Elico uh, stuff and, and yeah, equipment. So we just went on to be like prime on both equipment, coaches, everything. Just be the best. And now we are, we have like five or six Elico certified gyms in Denmark. So being a first mover on that part is, is also quite awesome. What's, uh, what's next, Torben? You've done skipping, you've done sit-ups, you've done backwards marathons, you've done rowing, yeah. you've done boxing, you've done CrossFit. <laughs> what's missing from, from Torben's life? Yeah, I actually have a, a uh, because I, I sometimes think that it's uh, overcoming those uh, mental boundaries because that's, that's the thing that I need to do with all of my stuff is that it doesn't, it shouldn't be hard on the skill wise. Running the backwards marathon wasn't hard on the skill. It's just like doing it. And skipping isn't hard a skill. It's just doing it. Mm -hmm. But it's just, do you want to be doing it for this long? So the next thing that I have in mind is, is uh, going to be, and I don't know if I'm too stupid, but uh, I want to be like, I haven't found a, a person launching, being launching a marathon in distance. Oh, oh a lunge marathon. Yeah, I haven't seen that being done, so I thought that could be quite cool. And maybe the biggest uh, grow your butt program. Oh uh, yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine. ATG lunges or just normal lunges? <laughs> just normal lunges. Ben, Ben, <laughs> I'm actually, disappointed in you. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, 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 you know, again, do, but but yeah, I, I just did like 500 meters of longest uh, some months ago just to try it out. How is this? And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> 42 kilometers. That is freaking. Yeah, crazy. I remember. I remember one time I did. Um, it was like lunges and like banded kettlebell swings, and uh, yeah. I think it was the lunges. But I sat down. I was in college. I sat down at the food court to eat. And I, my butt, both my cheeks just cramped. It was so bad. I just like, just like flattened out like a board in the chair. I was like, oh my god. So I could only imagine what the lunges yeah, so would that, be. Yeah, I think that's that's a silly enough idea, <laughs> and I think it'll be around three days uh, to get it done. Is is what I think. Yeah, because you can't go very fast in lunges. No, I did, I did 500 meters in 20 minutes. And I think that if you take one and a half hour per kilometer, and that's 42 of them, so that's 63 hours um, with a little rest in between and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that would be around the goal. Yeah. That... <laughs> well, we're looking forward to that. Is there someone counting your reps every every single rep, Torben? Like... No, I, I, do you, I do you have someone that, that's going to be sitting there making sure no, your knee hits the floor every no, every I, single rep? <laughs> I think I think I will go on a uh, you know a track, a track and field track because then it's a uh, one hundred and five, uh, one hundred six rounds, and then you can put up a tent for you know resting, and then you could do a some kind of uh, charity thing or whatever, and have people come walk around uh, a total round with me. So I think that could be a good way also to, you know, keep up the motivation. We'll, uh, we'll have a bunch of the ATG coaches fly out and we'll, we won't do the whole thing, but we'll, <laughs> we'll do like a quarter, have a bunch of us do like an eighth of it or a quarter of it with you. Yeah. And I think that was, that's the thing of it. I want to aim high and I want to, I want to dare say that I will go a marathon and if I can only go, only go 10 kilometers, I think that would be quite awesome as well. But, you know, I want to also be able to I want to help people be not be afraid of daring and wishing and you know dreaming and so put it out there because everybody tends to be held accountable but yeah held accountable is good right so if you couldn't do it but you did as good as you could then it's very good so but if you don't say it you're mm -hmm. never going to do it I right, I think we're we're over what we normally would do, but this has been plenty worth it. We'll we'll have to have you back on on uh, on soon, Torben. Yeah, I'm yeah. All happy to to be back, and, and hopefully it will be exciting for somebody to just oh, <laughs> put in here to this. There's plenty for us to have you talk about. So where can where can people find you online? Find your CrossFit box. Get in touch with you. Yeah, everybody could, you know, find me on Instagram is where I'm mostly active on at Tobin Keller. And then we have uh, CrossFit underscore North underscore 579 is our CrossFit box. Um, if they want to put a follow up on that. Um, yeah, and, and on an email or um, just a message on Facebook is also good. But yeah, DM on, on the Instagram is where I'm most contacted. If you want to join, and if, what if they want to join your marathon in the lunges? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sign yeah, there'll be a list for that. All right, Steph, where can they find yeah. you? 
Uh, they can find me at uh, Coach Carly with the three eyes on Instagram and TikTok, and then um, Coach Carly on on YouTube. And uh, apologies for the delayed um, chat today. I have no idea what's going on. It must be my awesome new setup is too high tech for my laptop or something. <laughs> well, where can they find you, Matty? Uh, S K A A R on uh, anywhere fun to Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Torben, I appreciate you coming on today. We'll have you back on for uh, part two and beyond, hopefully soon. I will be so happy, and I'm thankful for you guys. You are doing a massive and job. We appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to everybody next week. Thanks, Torben.